Welcome to Magic Arena Drafting Club. I'm Sean. As with me as always is Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing for realsies? Um, uh, pretty good. This week got a little, a little touchy on the emotional side, but um. Oh my goodness. Otherwise, good. Anything you want to talk about? No, I feel like I'm pretty good. I don't. I don't. I don't mean just me. I'm. I'm a pretty emotional person anyway. But um, a, just everybody. I think everybody kind of hit the mm. like. Okay. And I think people realize that hitting the peak doesn't mean that we're out, out the other side. It means that we have the whole other side to go. And as a statistician, you have long left tails and long right tails. This thing has a long tail on it. Mm-hmm. Like, like we've gotten through what a month, month and a half of it feels way longer than that. But um, the tail on this thing is going to be a lot longer than a month and a half. You know, it's not going to all be terrible, but it's going to be there. Yeah, agreed. Everybody's getting used to their new life. Everybody's got a new life now. Everybody's getting used to change is hard for everybody. It is. It is, um, but we're, we're working through it. I've been getting sick of Zoom. <laughs> I've been doing these Zoom calls. Sometimes I set them up for my son to do them with his friends. Sometimes I do it with family. Sometimes I do it with friends. You know, I have a couple different groups of friends I do them with, and they're starting to feel like a lot of work, and I feel like a jerk because I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. You know, it should be easy, right, to just get on Zoom and look at somebody and talk to them. It's way more exhausting than I thought it was to do, like, even like to plan one of these a day, I'm starting to get a little sick of them. I hear you. I totally understand. Um, and yet it kind of feels necessary in a way. Yeah, it does. <clears throat> Maybe we just have to learn better Zoom etiquette. Like, um, no, that's, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, so a little uh, housekeeping before we get into Echoia Bahamas. We got a couple new additions to the website, which is magicarenadraftingclub.com. I set up a red bubble. uh, So if you like our dragon logo, you can go there and you can turn it into a shower curtain. You can turn it into a bath mat. You can turn it into a shirt. You can turn it into an iPhone case, a pillow. Everybody knows red bubble. They basically take your PDFs and they can make it into anything. So if anybody wants a little piece of that, Go hit that up, and we do get a, a little bit, a little chunk of that. Little chunk. Little chunk, chunk. And then another thing, as far as little chunks go, is I set up a Patreon for the first time. So if you go to our website, there's a link to the Patreon. Um, what we're really trying to accomplish here is make it so this podcast doesn't cost Sean and I money. Uh, so you know, I uh, pay for a Zoom account to uh, so we can record these uh, over an hour, and then also pay for the website. And then little things like stickers and stuff like that. So, you know, what we're hoping is that this can become sustainable where uh, uh, Sean and I can keep doing this, but maybe at least uh, we're not spending money to do it. And so hopefully we can get there. I've created three tiers. Um, The first is the uh, Tetsamak uh, Death Counters tier. And that is um, uh, if you just want to donate like a dollar a month um, just to help out. If you're just like, hey, I just want to do something. I don't expect anything back. Dollar a month. Tetsamak tier. That's where you you poke your head up and just like put a a dollar over there and then poke your head back down. 
a little trade counter dollar. Next yeah. here is uh, $5 a month. So I gave a lot of thought to how we can give something back to people because one thing I don't want to do is invest, uh, is do something that's going to cost us a bunch more money because that's the whole point of this is to try to keep our costs low. Uh, but Sean and I are both artists. He makes music. I make uh, art, paintings, and digital art. So I thought we could somehow leverage that. So if we uh, hit our goal, um, uh, which is uh, to hit, uh, I think it's, I said it at $400, I think. Um, if we hit that goal, then everybody who has been signed up at this tier uh, will get two customized pieces of art. One is our PDF where Sean and I will um, uh, do a, uh, uh, sign it uh, digitally, um, but it'll look like a signature, you know, and we'll actually write a personalized note to you, send you the PDF. You can do whatever you want with it. You can turn it into iPhone case, you know, screensaver, whatever. But the point is it's going to be personalized to you. It's also going to be numbered. So if we ended up having, let's say 30 people at this tier, your, yours will be numbered in the order you came in. So it'd be a one of 30 and made out to you and with our signatures. Um, and then also Sean has agreed to make a song uh, with everybody's name, at least their donation name, unless they want their real name in there uh, uh, once we hit our goal. Deal. Deal. And then finally, the last one, you always got to put one tier in to shoot for the stars. You never know who's out there. You never know who's listening. Um, and that is the uh, Jeffco shareholder tier, which is $50 a month. And if you want to be a Jeffco shareholder, uh, you literally shape the direction of the podcast. You can tell us, you know, uh, what you want us to do for an episode, what you want us to do for a topic, what you think is working, what isn't, work, isn't working. Um, and as long as you keep it classy, you're basically going to have a seat at the table, just like Sean and I have a seat at the table when we decide what to do. You will also be a seat at the table um, as long as we're not asked to do anything that's not uh, family friendly. Sound good? Sound good, Sean? Deal. All right, I'm done talking. Uh, tell me what you think of Victoria. Well, I just first of all, I got to ask you something. So there's a picture of, it's called Be Your Store's Champion. Pre-order a choreo from a local game store for extra magic, in magic the gathering, arena goodies. Find out more. <coughs> Excuse me. And there's a picture there. I want you to look next time you're there and tell me that that's not J-Lo. Like they just straight up ripped off J-Lo. Okay. Okay. I got to move on from that. But Good. I'm, 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 I'm loving Akoria to me. And, and this is probably hard for hard for you to believe, but I think this might be my favorite set they've ever made. No, I believe you. I, it, it is very challenging. I find myself in drafts going almost every time going, okay, I'm, I'm, I know that I'm in the right color pairs. Right. Right. And I still have multiple choices on the direction this deck could go. Yes. Totally and, agree with you. Yeah. And when I really do it well, when I really dial it and I focus and I stay on the theme, right. the deck becomes infinitely better. Yes, I agree with all that. I think that's a really great way to break it down. You really want to have some synergy and some high complex level synergy. It's not... We're not talking about easy synergy to figure out here. Anybody who played Ixalan, you know, you just had to draft all the merfolk. Even the last set, it was kind of obvious what some of the synergies were. Like, oh, I'm in the green-blue enchantment deck. I just want everything to be enchantments. Some of the synergies in here are obvious, like the cycling deck, but some of them, you really have to think about it and do some cross synergies, especially since you're usually you're dipping into a third color. Yeah, it's... Yeah. There, yeah, the the decision making process and the fact that it's timed is uh, it, it's exhilarating to say the least. <laughs> you like that, huh? I don't like it, but I, it's exhilarating because 
I, I want to sit there and take four or five minutes and eat a bag of chips, but like, I, you can't, you can only yeah, eat a bag I've drafted with her before and I get infuriated because I'm like, Sean, what do you do? It's like, pick 14 in the pack, Sean. You're trying, you decide yeah. between a junker white common and a junker red common. And Sean's like, oh, I don't know. It's tough. It does get, get tough sometimes. Yeah. Do you have a favorite archetype so far? I don't know about favorite. Um, yeah, it's probably yeah. too early to say that. Yeah, it's it's really tough, and because each one seems to break, and really into multicolors, it's tough for me to say. You know, you're really talking about three color sets a lot. I'll tell you this. Also, when I find myself in red, blue, or white, or or the combination of those three colors, I've done by far the best. Specifically in the cycling decks. I. Uh, so yes and no um definitely utilizing cycling but the actual the one that the one cycling deck that i did make was good but i, I realized its weaknesses now um uh and it's really just literally you, you don't care you're just cycling every turn you just yeah. that's what you're doing you don't you don't really care that's what you want to do every single turn um and when you're doing that right it's it's very hard to beat that deck but you're saying that, that all of yours haven't necessarily been the cycling version. You've been playing other versions as well that you found to be powerful. Yeah, oftentimes into the third colors where you know you're you're getting to your more powerful cards. So which has left me to one those first four or five picks. I'm oftentimes just picking really powerful cards that are getting passed to me and saying, okay, well I know I'm going to be able to make this work. So you're staying open. More than I ever have, like really, really embracing that thought. Yeah. I think that's really smart. I think that's something that a lot of people who have been playing arena as casual magic players, that if you draft and you've been used to drafting against bots, that's something everybody needs to shift their thinking right now and uh, start drafting the hard way as they call it. And the most important thing you can do is not necessarily stick to your first couple picks, but find your open lane. Because if you find the proper open lane, you're gonna get paid off so hard in like pack three. You're just going to get all the cards you want in pack three. And so it's worth throwing away your first couple picks sometimes. You got to find that lane. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Got to find that lane. Um, I, so this is my turn this week to give out my artist shout out. And usually we do it at the end, but I want to do it now because I have to preface everything I'm going to say about Aquaria with, um, I listened to all the podcasts and uh, limited level ups. Uh, that I listened to today literally three times. So it's all kind of swimming around in my brain is one of the best, best single episode podcasts I've ever had in terms of things clicking for me. Hmm. Um, it's not that I haven't been doing good at the format. I say I've been doing average. My win rate's probably been around 50%. Uh, maybe done like, I don't know, nine drafts at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but listening to them was really able to let me take everything and develop a mental picture of how the archetypes break down. And for me, and I know for you and for a lot of people out there, getting that mental picture of the color pie and how everything works and where all the archetypes are nestled yeah. really is important to me. I need to see it in my head for it to all start to make sense so I can navigate through the draft. And yeah. they broke down the archetypes so well. So I don't want to give my idea on the archetypes too much because I feel like I'm just going to be repeating all the brilliant things they said. Everybody go listen to that. But um, I will say that I have not gotten to play the humans deck. 
the white, black, sometimes splashing into red um, attrition deck. I really want to try it. It looks like it's a lot of fun. I just haven't ended up in it. And I'm wondering if it's because it doesn't have like really sexy first picks that draw you into it. Kind of like blue was in, um, in Theros. You right. didn't end up in blue a lot because it didn't have a lot of good commons and uncommons. Um, right. So I really want to play that deck, but I haven't. What I have played is I've played a lot of mutate. I'd say out of nine of my drafts, uh, maybe uh, five have been mutate decks. Okay. And I've had good ones and bad ones. And I feel like the ones that aren't focused are the bad ones. Yeah. The ones where I, like sometimes I'll end up with a mutate deck where I'm like, man, I got three bombs in here. And I'd go like one and three. I'd be like, yep. what the hell? I had like really good cards. Um, yeah. Yep. And it still wouldn't be good because it wouldn't have like this real focused progression of plays. Like, well, I'm getting my non-human creature down on turn two, and then I'm mutating that on turn three, these really strong lines. I just didn't have that, and that's when those decks would fall apart for me. Um, and then the cycling decks have also been my most powerful. In particular, the, uh, the Ominous Seas deck, which for me was a blue-red deck mm -hmm. with two Ominous Seas, uh, that felt like I was cheating at points where I felt like this is one of the most powerful limited decks I've ever played. So that card is, is definitely something we should talk about. Um, it's first pickable for sure. Yeah. It gets passed to me all the time. Well, Way because... too much. segment and this is going to be extra fun because we get to have our regular host not with us instead you get to hear my delightful voice and his wonderful son eric and so we're going to call this segment eric's corner and so today well, well first let me do let me introduce uh, eric eric welcome how are you hello yeah i'm good good how is uh how is staying home with your dad been um, it has been a little, uh, crazy just cause we, it, we never have every, all three of us at home all the time and I'm getting a little stir crazy. So I, I hear you out in the backyard with an ax every once in a while, but does that help? Uh, yeah. Getting out of the house, gardening, uh, getting firewood for the fire. Yeah. Do you miss your friends? Um, yeah. I usually don't hang out with them a lot. It's mostly to school. Right. But being around your parents, is, is that been a good thing or a bad thing or a little bit of both? A little bit of both, because uh, then if when you're doing assignments and stuff, you can always ask them questions. But then uh, if one of them is doing a podcast, for example, you have to be really quiet. Right. So how often do you have to argue with your dad about whether it's your turn or his turn to play ma magic? Uh, whenever he goes outside the garden, which is a lot, that's when I play magic. It's your turn. Okay. And so what we're going to talk about today is a deck that you went, what, seven and one with? Is that right? Yes, seven and one. It was amazing. Seven and one. And you, I'm going to have you break it down for us. And so I'm gonna, from there, I'm just going to hand it over to you. 
how did you build the deck? How did it come together and, and how did it play out? So the four cards that were really good were I had four essence symbiotes. Okay. And I had a lot of mutate features, about six and six, seven in total. So I got a lot of counters on my mutate creatures. And then I also had Yahira, the Orphan Guard. So I, all of my creatures um, were usually getting plus one, plus one from that really good lord. And I also had the Necro Panther, which I'll explain in another uh, combo later. And then finally, I had Auspicious Starix. Okay. And that card, the cool thing about it is if you mutate it onto a creature that's already mutated, it gets two triggers. Okay. And and so you get you double trigger the creature. Yeah, and then I get two permanents out, hopefully. <laughs> okay, and so um, did this deck also have a companion? Did you use the companion? Yeah, the, I used Kahira. Okay, and so what did what and, and what did that entail? If, if in order to use that, what were your limitations? Oh, I had to cut out those scorpions that when they die, tar target opponent loses two and you gain two. Okay. And then um, I also had to cut out. I forgot what it was, but I had to cut out a couple other cards too. But overall, being able to always get a lord out on turn three would really helped out the deck. Yeah, I imagine so. That sounds pretty awesome. Um, okay, and so tell me how the deck played out. Like, how did most turns go? Well, I usually I had four um, essence symbiote, so I turn two I almost always got to play essence symbiote. Then turn three I would play Kahira. Now mm -hmm. my essence symbiote is three three. They don't have. They probably don't have a three three. I attack with it, deal three damage. Then again, if I draw my Necro Panther, I attack with both. They usually can kill my three two. And because it's the Lord, they want to, so they kill it. And then I put Necro Panther and Essence Symbiote. I get my Kahira back, and I have two creatures. One's a 5-5, five, five, one's a 3-2. The Necro Panther's a 5-5 five, five because it got a counter from Essence Symbiote, and uh, it's a because I have my Lord. Now I have a 5-5 five, five and a 3-2. They just lost a creature killing Kahira, and I usually just win that game after that, maybe with a special Starix or um, or something else. That sounds awesome. That is an awesome, awesome description of how the deck played out, Eric. Um, tell me, when you did lose, how did you lose? How did the deck lose that one loss you got? Well, I had a lot of mutate, so usually they... My one opponent that I lost to, um, I think they they just had five creatures on their board. None of them were like little one one d dinker humans, and they just every single turn could attack me with two of them, and and keep the rest of their board back to make sure I couldn't hit them with their my five five necro panther. And then for a second time, they killed my Kahira. They had about five pieces of removal, so they so they did that two times, and then they they also killed my auspicious starix and so yeah i just lo kept losing my board site and they kept building theirs and i just couldn't win that way so did you play three colors in this deck or was it mainly just green and white? oh it was it was mainly just simic simic um well not simic it's mainly golgari right. and i also did have the format of the four mana four fours that when you mutate them you get a permanent back from your graveyard to the hand yes i did two of those two which helped and then i didn't play white 
to for Kahira because it's a hybrid mana. Right. And Necropanther, if you mutate it, it's also hybrid mana. So I could just pay two black black. So do you feel like the the deck had any weakness other than than maybe going too tall sometimes and and, and when you weren't like pulling the exact cards you needed? Um. What do you mean by too tall? Like, so it sounded like when you were mutating, it was it was that you didn't be, you weren't able to go wide enough to keep up with their going wide. So oh, you were yeah. right. I can't think of any other weaknesses. It was well. I mean, they, if I make those giant mutate creatures that that when I mutate onto something, I get like three triggers. Mm. Uh, they also could just kill that, and boom, I lost half my board state. Right, that's the thing I guess I was hoping you would see, and that's awesome that you, you brought that up. So the, on, the only thing I think that I'm finding weaknesses with that sort of style deck is that exact thing. And so there is a card that in blue that you can use, keep safe, and it's pretty awesome to two-drop, oh, yeah. basically counterspell if it's targeting your creature. And, and since you were um, splashing blue, what, were you splashing blue? No, I wasn't playing blue. You wouldn't have been able to use it in this case. But... Uh, that card is also a cantrip because it draws you a card. Yes. So, yeah, that card is a good card in that kind of deck. And that is a perfect segue because you and your papa, or excuse me, me and your dad, are about to start talking about cycling and how much it's affecting the game right now. Oh, is it is amazing. Yes. Thank you so much, Eric, for your time. That was a great analogy of that. We're going to have you back in a, probably an episode or two for Eric's Corner. Have a fantastic afternoon. I will. I hope the audience does too. cycling cards as early as I think they should be, especially the cycling one cards, like that stupid dinosaur and those two human two drops. Yep. In fact, you can still get these late. Absolutely makes Ominousy as a first pickable card. There's so many reasons. If it, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of reasons. That card is really good. And then you just, you, you want to keep your eyes open for card draw. But yeah, there's many ways you can play that card that card with the um three two that that gets a double strike when you have more than three yeah. instances or sorceries in your graveyard oh man that deck can be very good so i'm going to debate you on that one a little bit i actually think the same casting cost marmoset is way better and that's the two three first striker that gets um uh plus two plus zero for every card you cycle Mm -hmm. So if you're already in the heavy cycling deck, I find that that card is an all-star. Totally agree. If you're in the cycling deck, that is the one. Yeah. Um, if you're in if you're in the spells version of it, but still right. using cycling, then the the three two for right. striker is ridiculous. Right. If you have a lot of like removal spells, then yeah. that one becomes better. Right. And and that to me, that's another reason why the um, I didn't I didn't give you the first reason why, but a, a reason why those mutate decks can be difficult to pull off because there's so much good removal so there much there's a lot of good removal and so much of it is situational and that's one of the reasons this format's so difficult is you really have to think about like if you want to use your pacifism on that mutate creature 
Right. Because it's like, well, even if they mutate onto it, yeah, they can't attack with it, but is the trigger good enough where I'm not really shutting down their strategy? Let me ask you a question. I'm, I'm busy. I can't. Okay. Let me call you back. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, so the card where the four mana you destroy or you deal damage for yeah. however many lands you have, right? Yeah. If that card read one red and X, and then it said, you know, it deals X damage for each land you have in play. But sure, people think right. it was better than they do. That um, card's really good. You can't tell me that card's not good. No, I agree with you. It's very good. It's right. also one of those cards where I'll pr pretty much play as many as I can get. Like, right. and if I have four in my game. deck, I'm not worried about it. No, it's, it, 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 it's, it ramps with the game. Right. But I do find that just relying on a deck with a lot of removal sometimes isn't good enough because some of the busted combos people can start to pull off in this set gets them so, so much incremental value where they're just getting so many extra cards or they're getting so many extra bodies that sometimes one-for-one one one removal spells won't do the trick. It's true. It's, it's very true. But that, those decks have to be happening pretty quickly for that to take place. Right. Um, anyway. The, I, do, I do agree with you, though. That's a very good red card. I like it a lot. Totally on board there. been playing a lot of them. So yeah, uh, another thing with the cycling deck that I'm pretty sure about is uh, if you have, let's say, seven, eight cards that have cycling one, you can probably cut two lands because you can just get there on your lands. You know, you can start with one landers more often if you also have a cycling card in your hand, especially if you're on the draw. So that's just a suggestion because usually you'll flood out. And another thing you can do if you're worried about flooding out is maybe play one of those cathartic reunions where you discard a couple cards to draw some more yeah a uh, couple thoughts there or just have a couple really big high-end cards in your deck that want you to have like eight mana where it's worth it for you and have you had a chance to play with like the reptilian reflection or any of that stuff that kind of really yep. keys off of it yeah yeah i have and so my favorite payoffs i won't go through all of them uh my favorite one is the three one that creates one ones yeah. I think that thing is absolutely amazing, and it's just white. Originally, I thought it was going to be the Lion, the 3-2 Lion, that you could cycle and pay extra mana. But in the cycling yeah. deck, you usually just don't have that much mana sitting around because you're busy using every last mana to cycle. Right. Um, and so you just, and even the two damage sometimes just doesn't do what you need it to do. But man, that 3-1 that just makes bodies and bodies and bodies for every time you cycle, and if you get like 10 cycling one cards in your deck, that's a card is so good. <laughs> it's really good. It is. I, I made enough one ones where eventually I could just like block my green opponent's um like uh, honey mammoth. I just had six one ones, you know. Yeah. Just took care of yeah. it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just quickly back to the humans deck that you mentioned right off the bat. Yeah. I've played against it probably twice now, and one time it was not the right version, and the other time it was, and the time that it was was very good. The time that it wasn't was not very good. And you said you were trying to think about what the cards might be that you are first picking, right? Yeah. And I think, strangely enough, that Sanctuary Lockdown is probably one of the cards you're looking to go to find to grab right off the bat. Which one is that? It's the, it gives all humans plus one plus oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one's good. And I also think the black one where you get a human and every time something dies, you drain for one. Right. I and think then both of those three mana enchantments are a big part of the deck. They are, and there's also the creature that makes another human when it comes into play, right? That guy's you want that guy, yeah. Um, and then I, the, the person I played against, also um, used the uh, coordinated charge, 
Okay, sure. No, that makes a lot of sense, especially since you can just cycle early. These cycling cards are really good, man. I've uh, I've started picking cycling one cards very highly, especially if I don't know which direction I'm going in yet. Yeah. Um, I did a draft where pack two, pick one, I took the stupid three, six dinosaur. You yeah. cycle for one because I was already heavy into the cycling deck and it's pack two, pick one and the rare wasn't my colors and you know that and just that dinosaur once you're already in those colors is an amazing card. Yeah. And the three, six body can actually be relevant. It can down the line. It sure can. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think I have too many opinions about what is the best. I also don't want to break down the episodes or the archetypes too much because I honestly feel like I would be just plagiarizing everything that uh, uh, Limited Level Up said. But, again, you should really listen to those guys. They, they did a really good job. Um, so what do you think about uh, where are you at with – is there an aggressive deck out there in your opinion? I, I, I feel like if there is one, it's a black menace deck. Cause the one time somebody just completely rolled me over, they were removing my creatures with removal spells and attacking me with menace creatures. And I just could never block them. I never had enough board creatures on the board to block anything. Have you There's faced anything like this? Yeah. I've played a Rakdos deck that went or six wins. You played it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, it is Rakdos, isn't it? Because they yeah. get the gorilla that can get menace. Yeah. And then they also get like well, a weaponize the monsters is another way to finish people off sometimes. Um, they also, they get the three drop human that gives a creature menace and then they can pump menace creatures. So that okay. gets nasty. They also have the combo creature that is a rare that um, if your menace creature deals damage, it kills yeah. the destroys and it has the uh um hybrid mana one that makes it so your creatures need to be blocked by three things which is basically yeah. impossible if you put some removal spells in your deck yeah it's when you when that deck comes together it's it's very fast and it's very good so i feel like there's an there's always an underrated deck out there right that we haven't found yet and i feel like nobody's really found an aggro deck yet and i really think that's it and i personally really want to figure it out I think the humans deck is aggressive as well. So we, we kind of built some of it. The other piece is the guy that three drop. That's a three, two that gives all humans uh, yeah. plus one offense when he attacks. And uh, strangely enough, the two drop one or one, two that makes you tap a creature. Right. Those things actually all in combination are pretty nasty. Can get in there. Yeah, they're all humans too. And, and then the so, two three that taps something whenever you cycle. Yep, that thing can work in combination really nicely. I wonder if there's almost like a mono white humans aggro deck. I wonder if that'd be possible. Yeah, if you got super lucky, I just I, you'd have to op you have to be in a pod that opened up those commons. That right. It's pretty right. rare that that would happen. Um, but the you know the black side of it. So let me ask you another question. I see this card being played a lot. This Blitz Leech. Do, do you like this card? I think it's fine. I think a lot of it has to do with um, your deck. I think more than most sets, we're going to have to evaluate our cards, not in general, but based on the deck that they exist in. Yeah. And I think if you're in a recursion deck or a flash deck type of thing, that um, the Leech is good. Right. But I think the Leech probably belongs in like maybe the Golgari uh, graveyard recursion deck. I'm not sure how much flashing uh, black gets, but I suppose if it teams up uh, with blue or something, I'm not sure. But, yeah. you know, personally, I haven't played it a lot to answer your question. 
um, so the other card that they played that I got spanked with with the human deck was the Whisper Squad. Oh, sure, the little one ones. Yeah, and then you can just pull them out. It's funny. As soon as somebody plays that against me, I get worried. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, it looks so stupid when I'm drafting, but then when somebody plays a turn one Whisper Squad, I'm like, oh, no. Well, it's good if they're dropping plus humans get plus one, plus one, you know, on right. turn three. But or if they're sacking them to the bushmeat poacher or whatever. Yep, yeah. But I think that the version that beat me um, that didn't play that, they played red-white, and uh, they spanked me. It was not It was not close. Because that they, red also has the card that um, you put a 1-1 one, one, one human and a 1-1 one, one, dinosaur with yeah. haste in play so oftentimes you're you're getting to smack them that turn with that one one two yeah i think that that uh card is going to be uh in several different archetypes because it's also going to be in like the sacrifice archetype as well as potential mutate archetypes because you get a uh non-human out of it plus the blue the blue red that wants you know you have a human and a non-human so yeah i see i see that card being a big role player some cards i've been a little less impressed by i thought all the humans that put a counter on a non-human and then you could tap them and pay mana to pump up all those types i thought all those cards would be super super good and i'm finding some are better than others but that just so often those decks just don't come together you just don't end up with a deck with a ton of flyers or with a ton of menace creatures it's it usually ends up being a sub theme in your deck yeah the menace deck i think is possible i think you can do the menace deck i've done right. it it's, it can be really good um the thing is that most of the creatures you put in that deck already have menace and they you know you can't give it to the humans in the deck so right like i don't know how good the black one is that gives lifelink or the green one is that gives trample at least the green one when you play it it also is a three three it, i don't think these cards are bad i just originally thought these would almost be build arounds mm -hmm. i'm finding it hard to make a deck that has a lot of trample creatures or a lot of you know uh, flying creatures I ju it's just it seems like you almost have to have a couple different themes um and that maybe like half of your deck yeah i think you can get there with menace easier than the other ones okay i yeah, think I'm it's important to the menace deck there, yeah there's a there's a few different black creatures that have it already as well which is I'm, not normal for black i really want to play now that we're talking about it this is kind of i've wrapped up for the day i've got my stuff done and now i just want to play. you want to go do a draft well, the truth is, I did a draft. Well, because okay. you know, we were waiting to record this because my son had some stuff going on he needed the computer for. And I did a draft uh, during it, and I'm very worried about the deck. I think it might be one of those good old O3s, but we'll see. I basically well, then, I have a cycling deck with no cycling payoffs, but it has some other good cards. So I'm hoping the cycling will just enable me getting to those other good cards. Did you force it? <laughs> I, did. I don't i just don't think i found my right lane honestly i don't i don't know what lane i was supposed to you know what i probably do it was like pick i don't know there were like six cards left in the pack and three of them were green and one of the green spells was good but at that point i had taken blue red and white spells and i'm like i'm not gonna dip into green at this point but you know halfway through pack one i feel like i got a pretty strong signal that i was supposed to be in green but i didn't take it that's an episode. That's a whole different episode. We just need to do an episode on like that thing. And we right. pretty much every episode is every every draft is that the enigma of the draft. Okay.
Uh, they're not. I mean, I'm, I got a draft open. I'm about to go do one. I don't know if you want to join me, but I'm yeah, about I'll, to do it. I'll join you. All right. Should we wrap this bad boy up then and come back and tell everybody more once we feel like we know more about the format? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to hit it hard tonight. I'm going to have so much fun. Oh I'm going to eat popcorn. And I might actually dogs. popcorn. Ooh, popcorn. Some chili dogs. Nope. But popcorn. Yep. Sounds good. All right. All right, man. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and say it, Sean. I will miss everybody a lot over this next couple of days. Hope you guys are really having a fantastic time. Okay, thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.